0: If you will turn to John's Gospel, chapter 20. And of course, it will be on the screen. John's Gospel, chapter 20. C.S. Lewis years ago wrote a children's series called The Chronicles of Narnia, and one of those called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anselon, who is the chief character who is presented as a lion, is killed by the white witch. His friends, particularly Lucy and Susan, are devastated. But then he appears to them. And his friends, as happy as they are, are really sort of wondering, is he really alive or not? In fact, Susan looks at him and she says, are you a... And she just can't bring herself to say the word ghost. And Aslan looks at her and he says, no, I am not a ghost. And he feels, she feels the warm breath of Anselm. She reaches out and touches his fur, and then she and Lucy grab him and behold him. And they are so excited their friend is alive again. And then Susan wonders out loud, but what does this all mean? But what does this all mean? In the night of the resurrection, Jesus began to explain what this all means. In the morning, He established the fact that He had risen. But the night of the resurrection, He began to explain, this is what it all means. John's Gospel, chapter 20, Jesus is appearing to the disciples the night of the resurrection. We join the story in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now that was an Easter greeting of that period, very common. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now back to verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. What does all of this mean? Well, Jesus says to the disciples, this is what it means. Receive the Holy Spirit. My sermon outline is in your bulletin. I invite you, if you would, to follow along. Notice what Jesus does. He precedes the statement, receive the Holy Spirit, or the command, receive the Holy Spirit, with breathing on them. Now imagine if you were the disciples. You're standing there. You have heard that He's been crucified. John was there and saw the actual crucifixion. It was a horrible way to die. And then suddenly Jesus is there. He's standing right in front of you. And he looks at you and he says, Peace be with you. And he repeats it again. It's his way, I think, of trying to say, Hey, guys, things are getting back to normal. And then he breathes on them. They watch his chest as it contracts and expands. They feel his warm breath as it comes across their face. And Jesus is trying to say to them first... I'm alive. Ghosts don't have chests that contract and expand. Ghosts do not have breath that emanates from their body and goes across your face. I am alive, guys. Watch me. Listen to me. I am alive. I have resurrected. Then he breathes on them. Now, if I walked up to you today... Regardless of what I said to you, even if it was really nice and complimentary and breathed on you, you probably would not leave here saying nice things about me. You would say, you know, he's a nice guy and he may be a good pastor, but I think he belongs somewhere else other than the pulpit because this guy, you know, breathes on people and that's sort of creepy. In our culture, if you you get close to somebody and breathe on them, they think you've sort of lost it. So what is Jesus doing here when he walks up to these disciples and gets up in their face and he breathes on them? Well, Jesus is tapping into some Old Testament concepts that they would have understood and identified with about the Holy Spirit. So follow me on this. First of all... In the Hebrew language, the word for spirit, when you pronounce it, ruash, you have to say it with breath coming out of your mouth. You can't pronounce the word correctly without forcing breath out of your mouth. And it is the idea that the spirit is like wind and air. The concepts of wind and air and breath are tied to the Holy Spirit. It's the idea that we can't control the Holy Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of God moves, the Spirit is in control. We are not. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the Spirit. The Spirit of God is coming from me into you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God had always been on top of people, come upon people. But Jesus is saying this day, the Spirit of God is no longer going to come on people. The Spirit of God is going to come into people. That is a radical new concept that He's trying to communicate. The Spirit of God will change you, and He will transform you from the inside out. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Jesus is drawing from that imagery. In Genesis 2 and verse 7, when God created man, man is laying out there, wonderfully created, looks great, but he's lifeless. Looks wonderful, but he can't do anything. I had a secretary of mine, not here, okay, because not married, but years ago in a former pastor she would come back from funeral home visitations and sort of speak about what the corpse looked like. And I remember she came into my office one day and she said, he made up a beautiful corpse, and I didn't know quite how to respond to that when he said that. Looked great, but he wasn't doing anything, just laying there. And Adam looked great, man looked great, laying there in the Garden of Eden, but he wasn't doing anything, didn't have any life in him. I wish I could have been there to watch what happened that day. This is what I imagine happened. God comes over to that lifeless form that he has just made and created that's laying there. Perfect. Beautiful. And then God, I just can imagine, gets down on on his knees and he bends over. And in love and in power, he lifts that body up and he presses his mouth against the mouth of Adam. And you hear this whoosh. And the breath of God leaves him and goes into Adam and Adam's eyes begin to open and blood begins to circulate and life begins to appear and Adam stands up and begins to move around and he can now interface with God. But what Jesus is doing this night, tapping into that imagery, he's saying, guys, I'm breathing on you because just like God Almighty brought the human race into existence with his breath, I'm creating something new today. I am breathing the Holy Spirit into you. You're a new creation, and part of being a new creation is having the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in you. Also tapping into some other imagery from Ezekiel chapter 37. God, in a vision, takes the prophet Ezekiel in a tough time in the nation's history, and he gives him in this vision, He brings Ezekiel out. And he says, "Ezekiel, here's a valley." Full of dry bones. In fact, these bones have been laying out here so long and they've been dry for so long that these bones now are white. Ezekiel, do you think these bones could come back to life again? Ezekiel doesn't know how to respond. And God says, I tell you what I'm going to do, Ezekiel. You stand here and you watch me, Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this valley of dry bones and I'm going to cause the bones to start rattling And then I'm going to connect bone to bone, and I'm going to reconstruct the skeletons. And then I'm going to put skin on these bones, Ezekiel. And then, Ezekiel, I'm going to breathe life into these bones, and I'm going to bring them back to life. Now, you watch what happens, Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, in that vision, watches those bones that are laying there begin to rattle and to move back and forth, back and forth, and it's uncanny and it's crazy. Then the bones begin to reconstruct as skeletons, and then skin begins to appear on those bones. It's like death is working in reverse. And then the breath of God begins to breathe into them, and all of a sudden that valley of dry bones is now filled with an army of human beings... God says, this happened because I did it and they know me. They know that I am the Lord, not because they read it in a book, not because somebody told them, but they know I am the Lord because my power has put them back together and my breath has been breathed into them. God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, my people are like a valley of dry bones. And what I just showed you in the vision is what I'm going to do. Have you ever felt like your life has deteriorated into a valley of dry bones? If the journey of life has gotten tired and arid, have you ever felt like your marriage was in that place, your parenting was a valley of dry bones? God is saying Jesus is saying here, let me breathe the power of my Holy Spirit into you. I can take a valley of dry bones, I can take a life of dry bones, and I can put it back together and breathe life into it if you will just receive the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Notice verse 22. Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit I want to work this verb over for a few moments, okay? It can be translated, take the Holy Spirit. Now, if you will bear with me, because the English doesn't even begin to touch what the original Greek of this passage has bound up in this word. First of all, the word take there is in a tense that means begin to take it. You haven't had the Spirit before, but begin to take it then it's in what's called the active voice. Jesus is saying right now in the present, take the Spirit and keep the Spirit. Don't be talking about taking the Spirit someday down the road. The Spirit of God is right here before you. He is available to you. Receive Him, take Him, and take Him now, and take Him tomorrow, and every day you get up, take what He offers in your life. Take the Spirit It's in the imperative language, which means it's a command. But in the Greek language, when they use an imperative, it's sort of interesting. Sometimes it can be a command, you better go do this. And sometimes it can be an intense form of pleading and begging with somebody. I think Jesus is doing both here. He's saying, I'm commanding you. You need to take the Spirit of God. You better take the Spirit of God. But I think he's also saying, guys, I am begging you. I am pleading with you with everything inside of me. I'm right here in front of you right now. I'm alive, and the reason that I rose from the dead is to breathe the Spirit of God into you. So right now, guys, I'm begging you. Take the Holy Spirit, into your life. And if you do that, you're going to know His ways. You're going to know His mind. You're going to have His joy. You're going to have His courage. You're going to know the Spirit's determination. He will work His purity in your life. Jesus stood there and looked into Peter's eyes, and He's saying, Peter, take the Holy Spirit, Peter... You've been like a vacillating jellyfish. You tell me one day you're going to do this, that, and the other, and always walk with me, and the next day you deny me three times. You came into this room sort of dragging yourself in here, but I want you to know something, Peter, if you take the Holy Spirit, if you receive the power of the Spirit into your life, Peter, you're not going to be a jellyfish anymore. You're going to become my rock. I'll put a spine in you, Peter. I'll give you courage, Peter. Peter, you'll stand up and love me and serve me and and live for me. He looked into the eyes of those other disciples with the exception of John. They knew, he knew, they'd all run away from him. Jesus is saying, receive the courage, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because in less than 40 days, you're going to walk out on the streets of Jerusalem and the same Jesus you ran away from, you're going to proclaim me all over the place to folks because the Spirit of God is going to empower you with what you didn't have before. I'm in the transforming business. Receive the Spirit so that my character, my integrity, who I am is formed and shaped in you. And receive the Holy Spirit so that sin isn't beating you down and defeating you. Back in the 1800s, there was an evangelist named Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody was sort of the Billy Graham of his age. God used him to move this country and England to the Lord. Dwight L. Moody was standing in front of a crowd one day and he picked up an empty glass. Moody held the glass up in front of the crowd and he said, there's air in this glass. How can I get the air out? And someone in the crowd yelled out and said, well, why don't you get a pump and pump the air out? And Moody says, if I pump the air out, there's going to be a vacuum left and the Vacuum will cause the glass to explode. Without saying a word, Moody reached over and he got a pitcher of water and he began to gradually fill the glass with water until the glass was full. And then Moody said, you see, I forced all the air out of the glass by just filling it with water. And when Jesus says here, receive, take the Holy Spirit, what He's saying to His disciples and He's saying to us, if you will just receive into your life the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I can force all the sin out of your life. And it's going to be taken up by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we go around and we try to suck a sin out here and suck a sin out there and pump a sin out here and pump a sin out there and a lot of times we fall back into the same sin over and over and over again because we're trying to pump the sin out of our life and we know we screw up and we know we mess up and we have a sense that God may be upset with us or ticked off about us, with us, etc. because of the sin we struggle with, the disobedience, etc. when we just can't seem to get the victory and the reason we can't get the victory is we're trying to pump sin out. And all we end up doing is create internal explosions in our lives. Jesus is saying, "Guys, I know you failed me and I know you blew it, etc. But I'm not going to sit here and beat you up for it. What I'm saying is, guys, receive the spirit right now. Allow the Spirit of God to take control of your life, and when you do, I will fill you up. And that takes care of the sin problem. Let me fill you with my spirit. And not only when He fills us with His Spirit does it take care of the sin problem, but in the filling of the Holy Spirit, He gives us a vision for how He wants to use us. He gives us the power to know Him, to serve Him. Now notice what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. Not just the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit. He produces His holiness in us. Now what's that about? That means that He separates us to the Lord. He separates us from our sin, from our disobedience to the Lord. He separates us unto the Lord to know Him, to love Him, to walk with Him, to experience Him. He separates us to become like Jesus. Now, I want you to look in verse 23. He says, receive the Holy Spirit, verse 22. In verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any... They are forgiven them, and if you withhold from forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus does something very fascinating here. He says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm begging you to receive the Holy Spirit. But notice what Jesus does next. He doesn't talk about spiritual gifts. Most of the time when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we invariably begin to talk about spiritual gifts and debating spiritual gifts and who's got this gift and who's got that gift, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus does not, when He says receive the Holy Spirit, even talk about how great they were going to preach or teach or whatever. He talks about forgiveness. He links the receiving of the Holy Spirit, immediately He links it and ties it to forgiveness. But why does He tie it to forgiveness and talk about them being forgiven and forgiving other people? Because I think forgiveness is our greatest need and our greatest struggle. First of all, what does it mean to be forgiven? The scriptural idea of forgiveness is that I am released. In forgiving us, God releases us. He releases us from the punishment of our sin. He releases us from the guilt. He releases us from the shame. He he releases us from the power of the sin in our lives. So when we ask for His forgiveness, God is saying, I'm going to release you from the punishment you deserve. I'm going to release you from the power of the sin over your life. I'm going to release you from the guilt, and I'm going to release you from the shame. You are released. You are set free. So Jesus, when He says, receive the power of the Spirit, He's saying, I want you to start walking in and living in the release, the freedom that I'm trying to work in your life In relationship to sin, so you can live as people who are guilt free, shame free, so you can live with people as people who are not in bondage to sin. But he's also saying, I'm the power of the Spirit is going to enable you to forgive yourself. See, some of you I'm talking to this morning, God has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. You just cannot seem to let go of what you said or what you did and how you feel like you failed and you just can't forgive yourself. And his forgiveness is about saying, Jesus, you have forgiven me. You have cleansed me by your blood. You have set me free. So now I'm going to walk in the freedom that you've given me and I am going to accept that forgiveness and I'm going to forgive myself. Take, receive the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the forgiveness of God so that you can forgive yourself and receive the forgiveness of God so that you can forgive somebody else. So that you can forgive the people that you need to forgive or the person you need to forgive. When Jesus looked into the eyes of those guys, He knew what lay ahead of them in life. And He knew that there were going to be a lot of things that were going to happen to them in life in relationship to other people, that they would struggle to forgive. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that enabled me on the cross to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. So you can look people in their face and say, I forgive you. Now, some of you that are here today, you may be struggling that somebody hurt you in the past, they're not around anymore, they've died. But you still wrestle with not being able to forgive them. And Jesus is saying to you today, hey, I rose from the dead so you could receive the power of the Spirit so you don't have to be in bondage to somebody who's even dead in your past because you won't let go of them. They are haunting you from the grave because you won't forgive them. But I am going to give you the power to forgive and release them. Some of you have got folks in your life, we've all got people in our lives that we wrestle and we struggle to forgive. And let's be honest, being the church and the family of God, while we would like to say it's wonderful and easy every day of the week, it gets tough sometimes to do family and to be family, even when it's the family of God. And the only way we get it done is to forgive not in our power, but when we receive the power of the Spirit, then we can turn and say, hey, I release you. I'm not going to be bound in my bitterness and my anger and my resentment anymore. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Facebook and Twitter and social media in general instead of being so filled with so much anger and animosity and people expressing their resentment could be filled with statements of forgiveness i forgive you i release you i set you free i could use my my facebook page to build you up instead of tearing you down Jesus has "Receive the Holy Spirit and I'll give you the power and the ability to forgive and release and let it go. When I was a senior in college, I had graduated and was headed to graduate school in the fall. My grandfather had been diagnosed with cancer about six months prior to my graduation and his health just precipitated down. And he spent a lot of time in the hospital and my dad and I had been estranged at that point for years. My parents' marriage split up when I was in the eighth grade. And I had a lot of anger and bitterness towards my dad. And the morning in June that my grandfather passed away, I remember standing in the backyard of my grandparents' home with my dad. Just the two of us. It was about five in the morning. The sun was just beginning to come up. And the Lord spoke to me almost like he was standing physically beside me and said to me, ask for your dad's forgiveness. And I realized looking back on it and asking for his forgiveness, God was saying to me, you forgive him. And I remember arguing with God in those moments. He should be apologizing to me. He should be asking for my forgiveness. He chose to leave. And God and I begin to have a debate. And then God said something to me. And I really believe, the Lord again, the Lord just spoke to me and said, David, if you do not take this step, the rest of your life and the rest of the ministry that you hope to have and all that you hope to, to do, for me to accomplish in your life is not going to happen if you will not take this step. And so I looked at my father, and I said, Dad, would you forgive me? And Dad looked over at me and began to cry, and we had some reconciliation that took place. Folks, I share that story with you because so many times in life, if we're not careful, when we get hurt, we get so focused on the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the resentment and holding on to it that we can't go anywhere else in life. We become that valley of dry bones. And we don't move on from that place in life. We just stay stuck there. And Jesus here was unsticking the disciples when He said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you will receive the Holy Spirit, if you will live in the fullness of who He is, you can forgive. You can forgive. I'm going to set you free so you can forgive. And I will take your valley of dry bones and I will give it life. Let's pray. As we come to the Lord right now, the reason Jesus rose from the dead is for you and I to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons Jesus rose from the dead, what it means is that you and I can experience the forgiveness of God. And then we can can turn around and forgive ourselves because He has forgiven us. And then we can forgive others. And so, as we sing in just a moment, I want to invite you to do business with the Lord. And if you need to experience the forgiveness of God for the first time today as we sing, I want to invite you to walk the aisle of this church and say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to follow Him. I want to know His forgiveness. And if you're here today and you need to forgive yourself, as we sing, I just want to invite you to say, Lord, would you just wash over me that resounding sense that I am forgiven so I can forgive myself. And then if there's someone or some folks in your life you you need to forgive. God, would you please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, enable me to forgive. I am tired of being stuck in the anger and the resentment and I want the freedom to forgive. The altar is open if you need to come and pray. Lord, you rose from the dead. Now it's time for the resurrection to show up in our lives. This is what it means. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand together. Come if you will.